Hello there ladies and gentlemen and welcome to another episode of CookieCast. Today on CookieCast it's the Darkest Timeline podcast. And in these dark times there is one podcast that will guide you through. And that's this one. Uh, yeah, let's go with that. If you're checking us out on YouTube, uh, click the old subscribe button. Helps the channel out and it helps, Just it just helps everyone. Helps us, helps you, helps everyone. Um, also... Sharing it around, word of mouth is massive, so, uh, you know, mention to your friends, mention to your family, you know, it's that time of year, isn't it? Sharing's caring. So here we go, this is Cookie Cast, the Darkest Timeline Podcast. Gonna put my jumper on. Damn. I moved the microphone to what I thought was a better position, like a bit closer, a bit more like I don't know. Get more into it. it. Looks like it's working like volume wise. But now I feel quite oppressed by it. So that's not gone overly well. Hello. Just gonna grab a swig of the coffee because uh, I should have made it earlier and drunk it earlier obviously I didn't do either of those things uh, so now it's uh, mm, super drinkable that looks really loud apologies if it's loud but the way I look at podcasters if a podcast is loud you can just turn it down it's when a podcast is quiet when you reach a point where you can't turn it up anymore you're like well uh, that's that then so uh, hmm anywho um, I have a confession to make and this is a difficult thing for me to reveal um, I don't know why this is only the third or fourth time I've said this in the last week um, it's been a difficult thing for me to say this is not one of those situations where this is going to turn out to be an elaborate joke um, there is has been or a confirmed case of the virus in this house um, that is quite difficult for me to say um, and here's the thing I was if it was possible to be more than 100% sure then that's the case but I was 100% sure if somebody was gonna get the virus in this house absolutely gonna be me absolutely 100% gonna be me so the fact that it isn't me um, is 
a, a surprise to me in itself. Um, and as I'm sure a few of you listeners will understand, uh, from a parent perspective, uh, it is the youngest child. Um, so yes, uh, basically the way it's worked is that as far as uh, at time of recording and stuff like that, it'll be different when you when you get this information. Um, the start of the week where we were going to go into lockdown 2.0 as people are calling it, which is super annoying. Uh, on the Thursday, uh, on the Monday, had to get the the little guy tested. Um, did not. I mean, she's had like this this recurring cold for a while. Did not think it was going to come back as a as a positive result. Um, and I think it might have been the next day. Maybe not, don't know. Um, but at a point, a lunchtime, uh, yes, confirmed case. Um, and there's loads of weird rules around it. Like, she has to isolate for 10 days. But me and Leanne have to isolate for 14 days. So she could technically leave the house four days before us, even though she's the one that's had it. Obviously, she can't leave the house because she's got no one to take her out of the house. Because the rest of us got another four days to stay in the house. So we've done a week. So lock, lockdown 2.0 has uh, has taken a turn. Uh, obviously, it means a little bit more. Um, Obviously, you get those sorts of things and understanding for why we're doing these uh, lockdown type situations for things like this. Um, but it's been difficult. Um, and an aspect of me maybe didn't realise just how difficult until literally starting this podcast. Um, it took me. It took me nearly a week to tell uh, my sister about it. I, I cannot explain it. I can't. I, I had to say to her, "I was like, I feel like I should have told you this sooner," uh, and I haven't, and I don't know why. And I, I can't explain it. But um, yeah. Um, well, a couple of other people that I've spoken to, uh, I had to tell them, had to tell work, obviously it's not like I'm telling them I'm not coming in and I'm not working, it's just keep them away just in case um, there was any need for any extra time off or anything. So yeah, um, there, I've said it, um, and we can move on. Um, it's not not been a good time it's been incredibly difficult because um, she's little and she can't say this hurts that hurts I don't feel good 
Well, there was a couple of points in time that she was like, you know, you can ask her if something hurts, and she was able to say that something hurt, but because of her age and her understanding, you don't know if that's what's actually going on. Um, there was a point where she cried and screamed and just threw tantrums for like two days straight. Um, which is difficult to deal with. Um, but yeah, it's it's not been a it's not been a good time. Um, on the upside, you know, we've we've been dealing with it for a week, a week today, technically, um, and she was very chipper, very cheerful, very um, a lot less uh, upset and unreasonable about things. Um, told me before going to bed, read her a book about monsters. Um, and I asked her if she was a monster and she informed me she was. Uh, which we both found incredibly funny, as I'm sure you can imagine. So that's that bit. As I've mentioned already, lockdown 2.0. I mean, really. Um, not been super amazing so far. Uh, there's a big difference between lockdown and quarantine, isolation, whatever you want to call it. Um, one of the differences being no running. I've been having to make do with running around the garden, which uh, I'll give you a clue. Our garden is that small that if I actually do run round it, I get dizzy. Um, so I can only run round it a few times, or I have to turn around and run the other way. And then after a while, I'm just running up and down the path, which is about four meters um so yeah a, a 20 minute quote-unquote run in that space it feels like some kind of torture experiment um and that's the difference you see you know even when you're in lockdown you can get out for exercise you can go for a run and i was saying to people i was like the first month of running I hated every minute of it. And the second month of running, I, I hated it, but it was either easier to go out or it was like, well, you know, it is what it is. I think when, you, when you're able to do it, when you achieve what you set out to do and then, you know, past that point, I'm not going to say it gets easier, but it... it more manageable, more capable. I don't, I don't want to use the word easy, because it's not. Um, and then you've got a couple of months under your belt, and like you guys will know, you know, I've seen a shift in the weight. Um, I'll tell you at this point now that I'm still managed to lose weight this week. Um, not going to lie, really happy about that. Um, one of those, I was, I was talking to Leanna and I was saying, you know, ultimately, if it had been a case where I put weight on, I'd have been disappointed. But I would have understood. Um, if I'd have remained at the weight I was, I'd have been, I'd have been okay with that. And obviously, in this kind of situation, 
if I lost weight, I was going to be like, well, you know, that's that's cool, um, and that was the case. Um, we'll come back to that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, there's a difference between quarantine and lockdown. Uh, I do feel like I'm being a bit of a teaching your granny to suck eggs sort of situation because I can imagine people understand that. But do you? Um, you know, the difference of going, oh, well, we need some shopping. I'll go to the supermarket. You know, we're in lockdown, but I'm allowed to go to the supermarket. Quarantine, can't do that. I know, it's, it's uh, seven, half seven, whatever in the morning. Jump out of bed, get those running shoes on, get out the door, get 20 minutes, half an hour of solid running and exercise to start your day. Can't do that. I tell you this much. Let's get a coffee. Snip down to the drive-thru. Pick up a coffee. Boom. Not entirely sure if they're open or closed, to be fair. Can't do it, though. So there's increased restrictions. Um, and if I'm honest, with those increased restrictions, um, no running. So the moment I was like, well, what am I going to do about going for my run in the morning? Well, you, you can't. Yeah, but what, what about going for my run? Well, you can't. All right. So my instinct at that point, and this is where I had to question my sanity, I guess. My instinct at that point was, oh, man, I can't go for a run. I better eat loads of food then. I was, I was like talking to somebody that day and I was like, can somebody explain to me why my go-to is, oh, I can't go run anymore, I best eat loads. Um, let's face it, my go-to for anything. Ah, oh, stub my toe, best have something to eat. Um, And obviously, as we know, that's something that I'm trying to break. Um, but yeah, there was a day or so where I was just, I was not doing well with eating. And then obviously I must have been able to pull it back. By the weekend, um, Saturday, cheat meal. So me being me, because I'm so psyched and so ready and so prepared and so geared up and all that for the cheat meal it's like i'm like oh i've got to be got to be good and at the moment and i do i do not condone this or anything but at the moment um being good translates to not eating um if I'm honest, I think I've got back to the point now where I, I, I'm not eating breakfast. Um, breakfast was a meal that from about 12 years old, I was like, I could cut that meal out of the day and just get more time rather than, you know, breakfast. And that's what I did. And I can honestly say it's only been probably the last six months that I've eaten breakfast 
I just I just haven't done it for what's that like twenty eight years or something. Um, and then I had this run, I had like a load of early morning meetings, a load of things where I was going to eat breakfast, and then I had to do something which resulted in, you know, people booking you in for meetings at like nine o'clock in the morning. It's like, cool, I'll do that then instead of having breakfast. And then after a few days of that, then it, you're out of the habit, aren't you? So I promised myself, this was one of those, I promised myself this morning when I was running round in a circle, I was like, if I have lost weight today, I'm going to treat myself, I'm going to have breakfast. And by the time I managed to get through all the stuff I had to do, done X amount of work, done my running round the garden, had a shower, got you know, dressed and all of that. By the time I'd done all of those things, like 10 o'clock, can't eat breakfast at 10 o'clock, it's probably lunchtime. So, no, and that went out the window, even though I had lost weight. Um, so, that was Saturday, and then Sunday, no, no cheat meal, just normal tea. But I had this thing all day. I was like, I want a crisp sandwich. So think about that statement. Bread with crisps in. It's like carbs and fat. And I mean, when I do a crisp sandwich, it's more like a sandwich with crisps. You know, cheese, corn, possibly a, a sauce of some description, a condiment of some description, and then crisps in it. So because that's what I wanted, and because I knew it was bad, I, I knew I couldn't have it. So I just spent all day going, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. And what it resulted in was I ended up getting to tea and just eating my tea. So, not going to lie, I think that those two days, being the two days before getting weighed, probably had something to do with losing some weight. Um... I worked out on one of those days and I did a quote-unquote run on the other day so you know you put all of that together and maybe it accounts for a couple of pounds so that is pretty much that um, I confessed my my it's not it's not a secret it's just it wasn't Nah, I can't explain it. I'm, I'm trying to. Probably not the thing to do right now. Um, you'll be pleased to hear, for those people that tune in for the entertainment segment, uh, a lot of films. Now, I'm going to caveat this by saying one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven films. Two of the seven I've seen before. Now, I said I wasn't going to talk about films I'd seen before. I felt like there wasn't, like, you know, amazing content. And I, I probably wasn't. Uh, you know, I, I think I've been sticking to that. There's a lot of films I've watched recently where I haven't mentioned them. But these two films in question that I've watched, I feel... I've got stuff to say about them, so, you know, them's the breaks, I'm afraid. The other five films 
Um, I haven't seen it before, so unfortunately you're going to have to listen to me go on about that. Um, I've actually managed to watch an episode of something. Uh, that's a bit of a stretch. I think it's taken me two weeks to watch one episode. Uh, I've got a couple of games to talk about. Um, yeah. Couple. Yeah. Anyway, let's crack on because that sounds like a lot of stuff. First film of the week to discuss is a film called The Dallas Buyers Club. Uh, I was in a bit of a. Wow, oh, what's his fucking name? Really? What's his name? It's a. Um, it's a. Um, Mother Flipper. Ma yeah, you see, it was a, a Matthew McConaughey. It was a bit of a Matthew McConaughey. Uh, I don't know what you'd call it. Uh, I, watched, I watched a few films that had Matthew McConaughey. Well, we talked about Gold last week. Uh, thoroughly enjoyable uh, movie experience. Again, another thoroughly enjoyable movie experience in Dallas Buyers Club. This one was based on a true story. Um, set in the 1980s when um, HIV and AIDS became like the, the big thing. Um, <clears throat> Matthew McConaughey plays a character um, I suppose you'd call him like a grifter I think. Um in the sense, he, he had a job, uh, but he was, you know, making money on the side, doing other things, um, kind of robbing people in a sense, just like a little bit, not like a gunpoint or anything. Um, and through a series of events at the beginning of the film, diagnosed with HIV. Uh, which in the early 80s had a lot of negative connotations. Um, he is very... Would it be bigoted? Uh, very homophobic, very uh, racist, very... Yeah. All those sorts of things. <clears throat> Uh, and then there's all this stuff about these drug trials that he's trying to get involved in. Um, but ultimately what it's about is about a man who finds a way around the drug system uh, by going to Mexico, buying all the drugs he needs in Mexico, transporting them back across the Mexican-American border. Uh, but happens to bring enough to supply many other people to get around the various things that were going on. In the process, um, his <coughs> doctor is Jennifer Garner, I believe, uh, and he befriends, becomes friends with um, a very. Uh, it took me a couple of uh, a couple of moments. I was like, "Is that Jared Leto?" 
uh, and it was a uh, now then I don't want to get this one um, transsexual uh, I'll, go with, I'll go with transsexual so obviously for the person he is and the, um, the situation um, for the for that friendship to become a thing um, obviously unlikely uh, and from that point it then goes on to <coughs> he basically ends up battling the uh, the government because they don't want him bringing all these drugs into the country uh, and you know a lot of them are vitamins and things like that but although they have uh, good effects obviously in America America is run by the pharmaceutical companies who their drug their quote unquote legal drug was uh, actually killing people well killing people in the dosage that they were giving I think it turned out that uh, if they reduced the dosage it had better results very good film very enjoyable sad in places based on a true story um, just yeah very enjoyable watching I watched another film that was <coughs> I've, I've got a frog which is typical that this point in time that would happen <coughs> it's not the Roma <coughs> listen I think it is I watched another film that was similar to a film I've watched recently in some ways uh, because it dealt with the subject of cancer and friendship and so on and so forth uh, I watched the film 50-50 Joseph Gordon-Levitt Seth Rogen Angelica Houston and is her name Bryce I meant to check this at another point uh, I don't I don't 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 ask me things yeah Bryce Dallas Howard she was in something else I watched she was in gold. <clears throat> there you go. Uh, I believe she's in the Jurassic World films, unfortunately. Uh, not that she's in them, just that uh, those films exist. 50-50. Um, oh, well, I see, and I've got it open. I might as well read the... Uh... Oh, that one says that it's inspired by a true story. Oh, uh, what's the faces in it? Anna Kendrick's in it as well. Uh, 2011, um, inspired by a true story, comedy centred on a 27-year-old guy who learns of his cancer diagnosis and his subsequent struggle to beat the disease. Um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, I might have mentioned it by this but I have a lot of time for him. He's in another film watch this week. Um... Seth Rogen, eh. I think in the right role he's fine, um, at other times I don't have a huge amount of time for him, uh, Angelica Houston's very good, uh, Anna Kendrick, again certain roles I think she's fine, other roles I'm mm, not overly enamoured. 
Um, again, one of those films where it said comedy. And I'm like, cool. Did I cry in that one? I might have had a little cry. Might have had a little cry. Very emotional at the moment. I imagine you, you probably picked that up. Uh, I'm very emotional at the moment. Uh, so there's a high chance when I say did I have a cry that the answer is potentially yes. So, um, it was very enjoyable. Again, quite a difficult watch to watch, even in a Hollywood sense, even in a apparently a comedy sense. Somebody dealing with a cancer diagnosis, cancer treatment, and so on. Um, especially for the times when the, the outcome doesn't always look great. Um, but, very enjoyable film. Would heartily recommend it. Um, but I, I honestly think that people need to... Uh, to check on their uh, what they class as a comedy, I think is 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 what I'm getting at. Um, yeah, I watched another film, um, like with my Matthew McConaughey and probably Joseph Gordon-Levitt kind of, uh, you know, in keeping with sticking with certain people in certain films and stuff. I watched Rock and Roller, which is a guy, Ritchie, it's a guy Pierce, Guy Ritchie film. Um, this one was very much Guy Ritchie movie, um, set in London, they've got the gangsters, you know. Um, Tom Wilkinson. Was like the was like the, the the head gangster guy. Um, I'm going to say this now. I want to go on record, so we're all aware for future reference. Anytime Tom Wilkinson plays like a gangstery kind of tough guy, hard man, etc. role, I'm always like. You couldn't be less believable. And I don't know if it's potentially a little bit of typecast type situation. Um, obviously, you know, I can't think of him being in anything before the full Monty. So there's that aspect. There's a lot of roles where he's playing just like, you know, uh, he's a bit like your granddad, I guess. Um, and then every now and then, Batman begins, and then this. It, he's playing like a like a hard man. And it's like, no, just, just no. So there, I said it. Sorry, a piece of trivia about rock and roll that um, the cast is made up of. A lot of people who have been in superhero movies. Um, and it was true. And a lot of people that were in it have been in superhero films. 
very much a um, a Guy Ritchie film. Lots and lots and lots of different stories going on all at once, and all of them sort of converge on like this main story, which is fine. We're all down with that. We're all you know we're all good on that one. Uh, we all loved Lockstock. We all loved Snatch, and then things get a bit murky past that point like I say I watched Gentleman recently that was a little I my criticism of that film was that it was a little bit too Guy Ritchie this on the other hand everything was going fine everything was going great everything was going swimmingly and at the point that we're getting ready for the big reveal it was like they were just like can't be asked with this anymore just tidy up. Like, what? Yeah, yeah, I know, I know we've been like, you know, going through the film all this time and we've been laying all of this groundwork and, and you know, this road leads this way and that road leads that way and that way and it's all going to converge but uh, I just can't bother anymore so just, just tidy up, finish it off. It's like, alright, I don't feel this film is resolved. Now, I will say this, one small caveat. There's a bit on the credits where it says that the, I think they refer to themselves as the Wild Bunch. There's like Tom Hardy, Jared Butler, Idris Elba. I mean, how about that for a trifecta? Heavy hitters, okay. I think they call themselves the Wild Bunch. Yeah, whatever. Um, there's a bit in the credits, early credits as well, that said, the Wild Bunch will return in. I think there was a the name of the film. To my knowledge, that film has never materialised. So I'm not sure if Rock and Roll is like part one, and there's supposed to be like a sequel. You know, if that's the case, makes a lot of sense. If not, then I don't know. Seems super odd the way it all just finished. Like I was saying, up to that point, very good, very Guy Ritchie, very enjoyable. But, yeah, watch out for that ending. Watch out for that first step, it's a doozy. Points if you can tell me what that's from. Right, here's the section of films I've already seen. First one, Heat. The reason I've put it on there is that I watched it recently. I was like, ooh, Heat. Available on Prime. I was like, yes, I haven't seen that film in donkey's years. It's probably in the region of 20 years since I've seen that film. But I remember it being one of those staple films for me that I've seen a lot. So it's probably a... I haven't seen it for 20 years because I probably didn't need to see it. But I was like, I haven't seen that film in ages. And I remember it being good. Let's give it a whirl. I mean, it was hugely famous. You know, there was a Call of Duty game that did... Like a, like a homage to that film. I know there was a... I don't want to say rip-off of it, but I know that there was another film that was done to be kind of the same. 
I remember it, you know, it was this big thing because it was going to be the first time that Robert De Niro and Al Pacino were going to start in a film together. Now, admittedly, as everybody says, they had actually been in a film together previously because they were in The Godfather. The point was, they were never in it together. They were both in it, but they were never in it at the same time. They never acted across from each other. So it was this big thing because there was going to be this scene where they were going to sit across from the table, the, across the table to each other and act, obviously. So, there was that. And as we know, there's the massive shootout in the streets, which is just monumental. Well, I say, I've seen it before, so I didn't want to dwell on it. Couple of things. One, that is a right movie. That is an absolute monstrous movie. Also, didn't realise this originally, but it's nearly three hours long. Like, wow. Um, my mother used to say that Al Pacino's role in that film was annoying. And at the time, I never saw it. It's like, meh, I see it. He's fine, you know, he's playing like this over-the-top police officer type thing. You know, he was playing a role. This time I watched it, I was like, ah, oh, no, she's right. He does that thing. Like, I know that, like, Ralph Garman, when he does an Al Pacino impression, he always does, like, Al Pacino from Heat. And I think Al Pacino has basically become that character over the years, like in his acting and stuff. Because he just does that, where he, his lines are like, he'll talk, he'll talk the first half of the line and then shout the second half. Um, and yeah, you know, like when somebody points something out to you and then it's really noticeable. So watching it this time around, it was really noticeable. Um... So, Heat, absolute monster. Um, I watched another film I've seen before, just wanted to give it a quick mention, don't want to dwell on it. Uh, the film Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, a film I feel is often overlooked and is an exceptional film. Um, Val Kilmer and others, uh, but m probably most importantly, the main character is Robert Downey Jr. And I feel that this is probably a point where Robert Downey Jr. was on a, a, a kind of a, a tipping point in his career. Um, where obviously he hadn't done Iron Man and was probably a good few years away from Iron Man. But you can see in that role the makings of Tony Stark Iron Man the the fast talk in the way he talks the way the way he moves the way he acts the way you know, the way he is that film to me is the building blocks of the the the, the character that went on to be Tony Stark um so I just wanted to give it a bit of a, a bit of a shout out as a film. It's a it's a fantastic film and like a, a, a murder mystery. If you've never seen it, take a little time out of your day, sit down and watch Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Great film, just really good, solid movie. Got some good, uh, 
actors that pop up. Um, so yeah, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, look it up. Back to films I haven't seen uh, until recently, obviously, I've seen them now. Finally got around to watching 21 Bridges. Um, a film that, uh, I don't know how to say this, so I'm just going to say it. A film I did not have a huge amount of interest in. I watched a trailer for, I watched a couple of trailers a couple of times and was like, that looks like a film. It didn't do a huge amount for me, the fact that it was you know, a Russo Brothers movie that wasn't, didn't have a Mar that didn't have the Marvel name slapped on it. Uh, obviously we've got the fact that um, Chadwick Boseman plays the main character and everything that's happened recently. And basically what happened was, after his passing, I added it to my watch list and I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch that, I just don't know when, that kind of thing. Um, but I'm pretty sure that Len's mum had watched it and had said that it was good. So Len was like, oh, we should watch that at some point. So Saturday night comes round, movie night, and it's like, okay, what are our options? Run through it. 21 Bridges came up, let's watch that. Okay. I had no objections to it. So we sat down to watch that. Um... few things about it, got some, again, great actors, like heavy, heavy hitters. Chadwick Boseman, um, J.K. Simmons, uh, Keith David, a lot of time for Keith David, the guy that played Gambit in the X-Men Origins, Wolverine Origins. Don't quote me, but I think it was. Um, a woman who was in it. Can't think of her name. We were trying. We were trying to work out why she was like why she's hugely popular. Couldn't just know that she was a name. Okay, I'm gonna have to look it up now. And I know it's on the list because I looked it up at the time to find out who she was and why we knew. Sienna Miller. One of those names that you just you just know. Um but yeah, she's just been just been in a handful of films. Um So watched it. Downside for me personally was it was kind of obvious. Like the the it felt like a film that was like, oh, there's a mystery here. Oh, I wonder what the mystery is. Oh, not a spooky mystery. Um, two guys rob a place, end up killing a shed load of police officers, and go on the run. So they go to Manhattan, I believe. And because Manhattan is an island, they raise all the bridges, of which there are 21 of them, See, see, see what they did there, uh, and trap them on the island so that they can't escape, and they've got X number of hours to catch them. And then there are these. It's, it starts to unfold, and it's a bit of a mystery. And why did this happen? And why did that happen? And why did the other happen? And so on, all the way through the film. 
problem being anything like that and this is me and this is who I am and this is how I operate immediately I was going why why did that happen oh I get it it had to have happened for this reason and I just went through it like that so the the, the mystery element was lost on me unfortunately um, and then you know what happens is I've worked out what's going on way before um, very enjoyable film I was not surprised it wasn't like I was pleasantly surprised it wasn't one of those sort of situations um, I was just happy that it was an, an enjoyable watch um, I would recommend if you haven't seen it if you fancy a bit of something like that give it a whirl absolutely definitely worth a watch one thing I will say and with knowing some of the stuff now that Chadwick Boseman was going through um, you could see in that role how unwell he was at that point in time very thin um, and there was a couple of scenes where I I'd sort of said at the time like man you can see how unwell he is there um, which is sad to see um, yeah very sad great it's a loss it uh, really is um, another film and then we're done with films and another film with another actor uh, that has um, been in something else I've watched I watched Snowden uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt again I'll say this here and now I immediately when that film started I had to look up to see if they ch had to change his voice in any way uh, I couldn't find any mention that they changed his voice or modified his voice so that would just be his acting his level of acting uh, I thought that was an interesting way of playing it um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt can't think of the woman's name that was in it Reese Evans was in it um, anyone else like notable oh yeah of course <laughs> yeah tour of people that have been in stuff uh, Tom Wilkinson uh, Zachary Quinto play uh, a couple of journalists is the word I'm looking for so uh, for anyone who doesn't know it's the story of Edward Snowden the um, famous infamous whatever I think they refer to him now as a whistleblower uh, blew the lid off the CIA stroke NSA stroke American government um, illegally listening to tapping into monitoring um, basically everything Emails, phone calls, text messages, um, webcam usage, everything, absolutely everything. Um, he was—he wanted to be. I think he was at the beginning. He was trying to be special forces. Um, broke his leg to the point that he couldn't go into special forces, and ended up. Um, going into 
computers and ended up working for the CIA. Um, I watched the um, the podcast he did, the Joe Rogan podcast he did, which is one of those where it's incredible, um, but it's a little bit too much for my, for my tiny little mind to um, to comprehend. Just just the the sheer level, and he went through you know, the the stuff that's in the film. You know who he was, what he did for a living. Um, <clears throat> he was a contractor, so um, I think they considered that he didn't directly work for these agencies. Um, and at a lot of points in time, he was just selling technology. Uh, but he also built a series of programs, and those programs were supposed to be used for one thing, and those programs ended up being used for other things, a little bit more nefarious. Um, and he was <clears throat> he was wildly, wildly patriotic. Uh, I think he, I think he probably have to be to want to do certain things, you know, special forces, or want to join the CIA or things like that. But as time went on, he saw too much. He saw too many things being done that were wrong spying on people in ways that they shouldn't have been spying on people and stuff like that um, and it just went on and on and on and he went higher and higher and higher and it got worse and worse and worse uh, and his life inside of his job, outside of his job all of that got worse and worse and worse um, and then in the end he made the decision to collect all of the data all of the incriminating evidence um, steal it I suppose uh, if that's the way we're going to look at it steal it from CIA, NSA, people like that and then contacted the Guardian um, with the help of the Guardian released the information to the world uh, and then he basically went on the run he went from Hong Kong uh, and he currently resides in Russia um, I believe his interview on Joe Rogan was done from where he's based in Russia. Um, I believe there were links with the, the WikiLeaks people. I, I believe they helped him get out of the country. The country being Hong Kong at the time. Uh, but he was uh, a criminal as far as America was concerned. Um, Again, it's one of those, a lot of the information, because it's a Hollywood movie, a lot of the information has to be made digestible. <clears throat> but at the same time, it's a lot of information, and it's a lot of high-level information. Um, Timothy the Elephant was in it, just randomly. <clears throat> so, fascinating, absolutely fascinating. Really, uh, really good film really enjoyable uh, so yeah there's that also if you uh, if you're up for a a watch or a listen or a something of that speaking of Timothy Oliphant he was in the first episode of series 2 of The Mandalorian which I finally got around to finishing it took me a couple of weeks to watch as these things often do um, 
I've said it before and I'll say it again. I believe that the Mandalorian is the best thing outside of the games. Any games. The Mandalorian is the best thing to carry the Star Wars name since probably Return of the Jedi. Um, I just think it's done very well. I just think it's done right. I just think it's enjoyable. It's fun. Everything that, that the Star Wars universe needs right now, the Mandalorian is. I know a lot of people would disagree with that. People I know. Uh, there are some people that don't like it. There are some people that actively despise it. There are some people that just don't think it's that great. On the flip side, I know other people that would probably agree with me. Um, so it's very much... I do think it's a little bit Marmite-ish. Um... Timothy Oliphant was in the episode. Uh, he was very good in it. Uh, it a decent episode. Had uh, various Star Wars... Um, I don't know what you'd call them. Creatures? They're not creatures, are they? Um, just like stuff that you recognise from the Star Wars universe in it. Um, thoroughly enjoyable. Uh, I was saying, I, again... The fact that like the credits roll and it's like uh, directed by John Favreau, written by John Favreau, created by John Favreau. It's like I keep saying it, but Disney really did land on their feet with uh, with John Favreau. Uh, I think he is a, an absolute diamond as far as they are concerned, or should be concerned. Um, so yes, uh, I intend to watch the second episode. Um, when I get a chance so keep keep you posted on that one a couple of games and then I'm going to let you go uh, game number one Dishonored 2 finally finished it I think we know by now that um, it was a game that I was having to take these huge breaks from uh, but I got to a point where I kind of really wanted to push on with it and I did uh, and I finished it um, back end was, was good the last, the very last bit I actually had to look up because I was like, I have no idea. Because I wanted to do it like non-lethal and I had no idea how to do it. Uh, I looked up online and it took me a couple of attempts. But I actually managed to do it in a lot non-lethal way. And I finished the game and I was very happy about that. I was more happy about, and something that I already knew... To a degree. I knew it had New Game Plus. I love New Game Plus. Love it. It has its issues because I know there are often games that do a New Game Plus that don't, you know, like the, the first level, so you can't have whatever you've unlocked, sort of thing. Very much like Dishonored 2, where you don't have any powers on the first level and beyond, which makes it incredibly difficult to do certain parts of the first level. Something that's interesting though, they don't give you the powers that you had, <clears throat> they give you all the ruins that you'd collected, which are the things you used to unlock the powers. Reason being is that in New Game Plus you get both characters' powers available to you. So you get Corvo's powers and Emily's. Now I didn't realise through playing through it as Corvo, and I started it again as Corvo, Emily's got some really cool powers. Um, her sort of traversal, whereas Corvo has blink, where he just sort of like 
that's actually teleport. Uh, Emily's is like, I think it's called Far Reaching, which is basically like a, she throws like a tendril of energy type thing, and it reaches a lot further than Corvo's Blink. So getting that unlocked and upgraded, I was like, this is awesome. Um, I do wonder what would have been the situation if I'd have played as Emily the first time, whether that might have made it easier maybe. Um, I've certainly flown through the first couple of levels with these new powers. Thoroughly enjoyable game. I really did enjoy it, even though I had to take these huge breaks from it. Uh, it was mentally draining. And as I've said before, that's probably my age more than anything. Uh, I do intend to continue playing it, uh, but because I've played it and I have finished it, I am trying to move. Not completely away from it, but a little bit away. Which brings me on to my other game. Um, finally got Star Wars Squadrons. Now then. I was very unsure about this game for a multitude of reasons. I'd seen a lot of videos. Uh, there's a lot of stuff about it. You know, leaning heavily towards the VR stuff. Um, and the videos just made it look like lots of cockpit in the view and then essentially shooting tiny little things and it didn't do a lot for me more time that went on there were various things like you know it was cheap when it was released and it came down a little bit I think it was like 27 pounds by the time I picked it up um, that a little bit of a thing, found it on a site, uh, it was cheap, but the site was, you know, anything that's cheap can be too good to be true sort of thing. All that it ended up being was it took a little bit longer than I would have liked for it to turn up. Took a good few days to turn up. Got it, started playing it. It's... It's not great. Um, one of the things that I'm finding quite annoying about it is it has this super annoying glitch. You have to talk to people, which, you know, it's essentially a, a, a spaceship flight simulator. So why do we need to have these boring conversations? Um, but between these conversations, it often kills the controller. So the only, thing, the only thing you can do is restart the mission. That's the only option you've got to restart the mission. Which means you have to watch the cutscene again. And go through all the conversations again to get back to actually doing the mission. It's hella annoying. As a glitch, it's up there as being one of the most annoying glitches I've ever had to deal with. So there's that. Then, like I said, the boring-ass conversations that are incredibly unnecessary feels very much like they've used them to drag out the game. Because I have a feeling that I'm very close to finishing it. And I've only had it <coughs> two days. 
Um, so there's that. The missions themselves are generally okay, but just about the point in time where you feel like the mission's really starting to get going, it ends. It's very much like that. Uh, the way they've done it is, I mean, I don't know if I don't know if you're the same as me or if you're different to me, but uh, in a situation where you've got uh, the rebels versus the empire, I want to play as the rebels. Or certainly I want to play as the Rebels first, and then as the Empire second. That's not an option because the story is interwoven, so you do a couple of missions of the Rebels, then you do a couple of missions of the Empire, and so on. Not loving that either. It's okay as a game. It's got a multitude of downsides. Um, and very few upsides. But the upsides are I don't want to say good enough but they're okay enough to take away from the multitude of bad which ultimately means it's an okay game it's probably like a 6 out of 10 um, I haven't finished it yet uh, and obviously my intention would be to finish it my fear is that I'm not far off finishing it and that I really feel like it, as a game it's going to have absolutely no not absolutely no replayability but very little replayability because that's when all of your downsides are really going to come out so there's that aspect um, we will see <clears throat> but um, it, it, yeah, it, it's very, it's a very okay game. Couple of games on the horizon. Um, I think the Xbox Series X was released today, maybe. Um, not that I'm rushing out to get one of those. Um, there's a couple of games that I, I fancy playing, but they've been released at as astonishingly high prices. Um, obviously, in preparation for you paying massive amounts of money for new games, for new consoles. So, you know, I'll have to wait on those, wait for, um, I don't know, pre-Christmas sales or whatever. So we'll have to see on those. But there we go. That is it. Probably a bit of a long one today to make up for a few handful of short ones recently. But you know, been stuff going on, stuff happening, isn't there? Um, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening to me drone on. Um, hopefully, it's some way entertaining and hopefully, in some way, it gives you some information at the very least. So, there we go. Thank you very much. So there we go. What do you think to that? Another one done. Another one gone. Against that time of year, isn't it? End of the year. And the end of this podcast. So, you know, lots of endings. 
Big shout out to the YouTube subscribers. Uh, if you're not one, you could be one, and that'd be you getting a shout out. So you know, there's that. Also, if you uh, if you share share it around, tell people to check us out. YouTube, iTunes, SoundCloud, it's all there. Uh, get that warm, fuzzy feeling inside, wouldn't you? Everybody can go to thecookiecast.com. There's uh, links there for social media, email, and all that gubbins. Uh, so you can get in touch with us and let us know how you're getting on. So that's it for this one. Till next time, I'm going to say bye, and I'll see you then. <laughs>